Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world right now. This is Ambrose Wang of The Raw Entrepreneur. Today is our monthly circle call where we meet um, every first Thursday of the month on Mind Valley Live. And I'm just very grateful and thankful that today we have um, Dr. Josie Berg, uh, who has kindly joined us to share her views on, on what we are going to go through to the new year. Um, with the new year coming in 2022, um, everyone's talking about setting new year intentions, uh, new year resolutions, what we want to achieve. Um, you know, there's usually a lot of like um, excitement or, you know, uh, hype sometimes I feel <laughs> and high <laughs> expectations on achieving these uh, new year resolutions. But most times, somehow along the way, a lot of people sort of uh, slack off and, you know, they fizzle out. So we, I was hoping that we can talk with Dr. Josie about how we can set, um, consciously set some uh, New Year intentions um, for ourselves to help care for ourselves better and in turn to help better care, consciously care for the animals under our care. So, Dr. Josie, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Amaris. It's always nice to be here with you. Yeah, yeah. so we're I was here. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, so how has the new year treated you so far? <laughs> um, the new year, as I've, as I've gotten older and older i've kind of separated myself from the collective celebration of the holidays in the new year and i dove i'm a traditional chinese veter medical veterinarian and um so i've dove down into really the real meaning of the seasons and even from like an indigenous perspective and i i really try to withdraw and get quiet during this time of year and so there's also this push from the collective though between Christmas and whatever holidays you celebrate and then this whole new year like we're changing on the Gregorian new year on January 1st over and I think there's this expectation built up in the collective and the outer world that oh you know everything's going to be different we're in 2022 we can burn 2021 and we can just it's like stepping off this cliff into a new world and that really doesn't happen. And it's such a, actually January 1st is a really arbitrary setting point for the new year. It doesn't really fit in with any of the natural rhythms or cycles of the planets or the earth. Um, it's based on, like I say, the Gregorian calendar, which is a man-made like overlay onto us. So, I, um, but again, I feel it. So I have a lot of my clients and, and clients who have animals uh -oh, calling up and, um, you know, wanting to get everything off to a big start. And I'm still in hibernation mode. And I kind of got slapped in the face two days ago because I tried to get out of hibernation mode too fast. And I ended up starting to get symptoms of my body fighting something off. You know, so I went on a bunch of preventatives and I'm feeling better, but it forced me to step back into my hibernation cave a little bit and slow back down. Um, 
and in in traditional Chinese medicine, this part, winter is the time of the water element, and the water element is the way I think of the water element is to think of our oceans and streams. The water element can be like a rapidly running river, but then that dumps opens out into the ocean. And so you might have these really like stormy waves up on top of the surface of the ocean. But when you dive down under those waves, you can go really, really deep. And you can go so deep that there's no more sunlight. It's almost blackness. And that blackness, like down in the depths of the ocean, it's like going down into the womb or down, or if you go fur, fur, far enough down into those depths, you actually, some people say it's, it's like the Taurus field. If you descend down into the depths, eventually you're going to come out the other side and go from the, from the depths, inner depths to the outer depths. So like going from the deep inner depths of the ocean to the outer depths of deep space way out there. Um, so there's this, this feeling of doing that. And it's the, it's a, the water element rules our kidneys and our bladder, but the kidneys are one of our deepest parts of our body. They rule our bones and our bone marrow. And our bone marrow is where our, our, it's where our ancestral encoding lives. It's our DNA, it's the stem cells. Um, and it's uh, the kidneys, the adrenal glands literally sit right up above the kidneys. And so the emotion associated with kidneys is fear. And actually, if you look at all of fear, all fear can be traced back to the greatest fear that we as mortal beings have, which is a fear of death and dying. So the water element also has a lot to do with going to that place of death and dying. And there's, you know, there's a, there's a saying in Chinese medicine, whereas if you don't have enough qi and you don't have enough life force heading into the winter, and this goes, this goes back to our ancestors as well. If, if you don't have enough food stored up and you don't have enough inner resources, you might not make it out, out of the winter. And there, so there, there is a lot of times when older people and older animals will die during the winter months and just not be able to make it through. So we're dealing with some really um, you know, deep, philosophical issues as well, life and death, going back to source, going really deep inside. If we look in the Northern hemisphere, it's the time when the animals hibernate. You know, everybody kind of crawls down under the earth. The squirrels have their store of nuts and they crawl down under the roots of the trees and the bears crawl into their caves. And everybody just slows down and stays close to home, stays close to the hearth. And I think that's what we're really being called to do this year more so than many other years. Um, especially right. with this whole, you know, lockdowns going on and things, but we, it's, it's a time to go inside. And then I think more as we head into say February, and like Chinese New Year, which is actually a lunar new year, 
things will start opening up. And that's more of the time, the, the water element is the time where we go in and we, we dream our, the world into being, okay? So we go into the dream time and the dream time is where the initial seeds are of what we want to see come about. And so taking some time to go into deep meditation, to really follow your dreams, um, you know, say an intention before you go to bed at night uh, that you're going to remember your dreams and start keeping a dream journal. In my dreams have been off the charts lately. I'm going on, I'm going on quests <laughs> in my dreams, but um, this is the time to dream the world into being. And then, and we plant those seeds and we go into source and plant those seeds. And then by February is when the seeds are gonna, the earth is gonna start warming up and the seeds are gonna start stirring inside and getting ready to germinate and pop out. So. Okay, okay. So basically from a TCM perspective, um, this part this time of the year in january is actually still considered winter which mm -hmm. is a hibernation mode um i know in chinese culture we just had the winter solstice um mm -hmm. in late december just before christmas i think it was a uh, 22nd of december around that time yeah 21st solstice. 22nd yeah yeah and with the with the chinese winter solstice um it's actually a time where traditionally everybody hibernates and you know, mm -hmm. stocks up on food and rest, um, mm -hmm. you know, like the animals naturally in the natural cycle of time. So the Gregorian calendar, which says, you know, 1st of January, 2022 is actually smack in, it's still winter time for, for a lot of people. I, I mean, like I, I live in Singapore, which is, um, about one degree north of the equator. So we don't get winter, you know, um, that kind of seasonal cold, but we do feel a sense of, um, we get the monsoon seasons here as well. Mm. So mm -hmm. usually traditionally that this time of the year, there's a lot of heavy rains. Um, mm -hmm. and it's actually generally a much colder period. The winds are actually stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, easy like i caught a cold a sniffer as well you know just being out um yeah. not nothing to do with the pandemic you know uh it's just yeah. i just caught a chill but you mentioned earlier that you felt some sort of viral thing coming on as well and yeah. what what have you been doing to to sort of mitigate that well it's interesting because i was i was actually talking to a human tcm practitioner and we were saying how in the in the fall, during the time of metal and the lung time, these viruses will come in and they'll hit you with upper respiratory systems. And this time of year, I, I live in Florida, so we don't get the snow either. I mean, this is on my outside back porch, all these plants, but we don't get the snow either, but we still have that, that cold, that chill, the days are shorter. But we were talking about how the, as the viruses are hitting us now, it's not so much the respiratory as it is a deeper sense of like lower back pain, low energy, body aches and pains. Like if you have any arthritis or you've had injuries in a part of your body, that part of your body will start acting up. And those are all water element signs because the kidneys rule the bones. 
So you're gonna get arthritis pain can get worse. The kidneys sit in the lower back. They don't really sit in the abdomen. They sit in what's called the retroperitoneal space, which is their own little dark cave with the adrenal glands really. And so you'll get low back pain from there. The kidneys hold our life essence. So if when that gets depleted, you get really, really tired and um, it's, it's really good. Really the only thing to do for that is rest, just sleep and rest and not be super active, not go out to the gym and start that exercise program. You know, that's why I think a lot of the exercise programs probably fail then because this is not a good time to get up and start totally actively physically moving. You know, so what I've been doing, I mean, what I've been doing for this virus thing, I'm on, I'm on some Chinese herbals. I'm on a, a kidney and spleen chi tonic. I'm on um, vitamin C, vitamin D. Um, I'm on. I'm taking a lot of the medicinal mushrooms and vitamin D and zinc from the medicinal mushrooms. Um, and I'm on. I actually went on a preventative course of ivermectin. That's a little political, but that's what I'm doing. And then last night I took this. Um, I was feeling my kidneys were feeling so depleted. I found a, my, I had a little bag of some dried nettles left from last summer's harvest. And I made an infusion with them. And normally this would come out green and it's, it's almost black, this infusion. It didn't, I didn't let it sit for any longer than I normally do. But again, it's just, it's so symbolic of that going down so deep that there's no light. So you go down into the blackness of the green and the nettles, but nettles, um, nettles are very high in minerals. So they're high in things like zinc and magnesium and calcium. So they're really good to nourish the bones. They have an anti-inflammatory quality to help with the bones, but they're also good for the urinary system, the kidneys and the bladder. And they're a, um, they're a tonic, so they add energy into the body as well as a um, kind of almost detoxifying because they're so loaded with chlorophyll. They're also very good for, they're good for the immune system for allergies in the context of an immune system being overactive, which we're seeing a lot with this whole viral thing and between the virus and the vaccines and all of that is that oh, the immune system is being asked to respond in such powerful ways that then it's going into an over response. So nettles is also very good for that to just, it, it modulates the immune system. It keeps them from becoming too active or too underactive. Um, and it's great for women's issues as well. Like calcium as we get older and go through menopause for like endom, um, you know, to help our bones and for any kind kinds of women's issues, menstrual issues, or what have you. So, yeah, I noticed right that. <laughs> yeah, I noticed when I when I've spoken to quite a few holistic vets. Um, usually, when I interview them, and all of them, you know, have all mentioned that they're drinking nettle tea or some oh, really? sort of infusion. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, it's 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 quite interesting. Um, that and Tosi has been like Tosi. the two, the two favorites, especially this past uh, pandemic. Uh, since the pandemic started, all the holistic vets I've been talking to, like these are oh, the really? two. So I'm two not alone. That seem to... 
Yeah, that seemed to be really popular with the holistic um, community somehow. You know, I actually do make um, herbal tea infusions for my animals. Um, And and um, actually, I would, you know, like scoop like for cats, for instance, I would take like a teaspoon and I'll add it to the Mm -hmm. food, to the raw food stuff and, and just that's fantastic. You know, my dog takes a little bit bigger. She's a, you know, she's a bigger creature. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I've, I, I, it sort of hit me that, oh, okay, if it's, if it works and for us humans, having all these herbal tea infusions, it, it, it works the same animals. for them. Yeah. It works the same for yeah. them. Actually, nettles would be very good for older cats, you know, with any kind of deficient kidneys, something like that. It would be a really good thing to give them. Yeah. Uh, and you know, since we, uh, you spoke about kidney issues, um, yeah. you know how um, I think every cat owner's nightmare is uh, kidney disease. It's yep. the like the number one thing. Um, I've got twelve cats and one dog at home, and I do rescue work. So mm-hmm. I think um, kidney disease is like oh, um, the the one yeah. um, thing that keeps coming up for for felines. Um, well, what's I, it, one thing with felines is, and I don't know if anybody's brought this up. It's an it's kind of an old thing, but our cats, they say our domestic cats evolved from the small desert wild cats, you know, from like the Middle East and Egypt, and desert animals evolved to get most of their water supply and their fluids from the food that they eat because there isn't a lot of freestanding water. And so that's one reason why don't putting them on fresh foods and p- putting them on raw foods. My cat has, well, my cat's, my cat, I lost my one cat who is 17. The cat I have left is 16 now. And she is, um, she gets some goat's milk and raw food every day. But when you, when you put them on dry food and food that doesn't have enough natural water content, it stresses those kidneys out and that bladder out for their whole entire lifetime. And so I think that's one of the big reasons cats fed dry kibble that we see so much kidney disease in cats. They're also the kidneys out of every organ. The kidneys have a very complex internal architecture to them. They're made up of these glomerular filtration units. It's like a water plant. It's literally like a water filtration plant in our body. And they have all these tubules and vasculature that goes in there and they're filtering out, um, they're pulling water out of their body but they're also filtering toxins and they're filtering out all the minerals. And so if you, have mineral imbalances too much of one particular mineral or too little that's going to mess up the kidneys and any kind of toxins any kind of drug any kind of flea and tick thing any kind of toxin that might be in the food goes through the liver and then eventually gets dumped out of the body in the kidneys so it's they take the brunt of it. And because of their complex internal architecture, the body can't repair them. So these little, they're called nephrons. And it's each little nephron dies because they just can't handle it anymore, handle the load being put on them. They're not replaced. And so after a while, that's why they say, well, only 70, by the time you have high blood levels of the BUN and creatinine that we measure, there's, what do they say that there's like 25, 75% of the kidney is no longer functioning. So, um, 
so everything that we can do from the time that they're kittens on to prevent both toxins, to make sure that they're not overloaded or underloaded on certain minerals and to have them on a species appropriate diet will help with lots of fluids, you know? And as they get older, I am a big fan of fluid therapy actually for all geriatric animals and hospice care. I know a lot of people, a lot of vets now, I'll, I'll see kidney, people call me with kidney cases and I'm like, has your vet started you on fluid therapy? Well, no, or they want me to come into the clinic to do it every day. And so I teach them how to do it at home. Something that is even the most, you know, unless you're super needle phobic, I've taught so many people how to give subcutaneous fluids. And that really just helps support the body. It's really important. It's, it's interesting you mentioned uh, sub-Q fluids for kidneys because, um, and it's not common. I mean, like you, you, you talk about in the US where most vets actually get them to come to the clinic to do it, but mm -hmm. they don't, not all vets will teach or instruct um, pet owners to do it in the homes. Mm -hmm. And unless you're a proactive um, pet owner, does your own mm -hmm. research you would actually insist on learning how to do it and um how much to give uh depending on the condition of your animal be it dog or cat yeah. in singapore as well um uh, i think initially uh when we get a kidney di diagnosis uh most times you know we we will actually um teach our you know fosterers or adopters like okay this is what you really need to do um, yeah. work with your vet if they haven't taught you yet actually get them to teach you how to do it um, what's what I found is that um, the animal at the vet or cat at the vet usually is more well behaved than at home because <laughs> it's, either, home... it's either yeah one way or the other they're either <laughs> monsters in the vet clinic and like totally good at home or the reverse yeah 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 so I've had like rescues where, you know, my, my fosters, then when they're, you know, the, the king or queen of the home jungle, um, then they know exactly where to run and hide, yes. you know, and they refuse yes. to come out. Um, and, and it's like, you, you sort of have to dance with this, uh, you know, try and catch them oh. to come out, lure them out, you know. Um, whereas when I bring them to the vet, they, I think usually because they're so... Um, uh, paralyzed by the fear of the this new environment so they tend to be like more compliant in yes. the sense that they would just actually stay still and and allow it but I've always told um, our doctors and fosters like yeah once you have um, your kidney readings of a certain level you really should start sub-Q fluids because um, I feel that is the number one thing that has helped yeah. to prolong um, definitely definitely the lives of both dogs and cats, dogs and cats, when it, when it comes to yeah. kidney issues. And because you're the, right. The more they, the, you know, the more they get dehydrated, the more stress is put on the kidneys. You yeah. Know? So, so yeah. It, it, it bothers me when, when some vets actually, you know, um, give them prescription diet and it's, it's and it's the kibble <laughs> form. And, and I just tell the, the owners, I was like, really, honestly, you should just throw it out because you're just poisoning your, your, you know what I tell people, and I and I almost have these ingredients. I pretty much have these ingredients memorized from the one of the brands, the kidney diet. But I tell them, okay, take your mixing bowl out of the cabinet and put it on your counter, and we're gonna dump in there some pork lard. And it's probably pork lard from pigs that have been shot up with all kinds of stuff. So not 
really healthy pork lard. And then we're going to dump in some water. And then we're going to dump in a cup of white table sugar. And we're going to mix that up. And then we're going to put in the multi multivitamin and mineral. And that is going to be your kidney diet. That's literally what is in most of like the prescription kidney diets. So what I recommend and people are, they, there's this fear that's instilled with them that they can't eat protein. They can't eat protein. All of the original, this goes back to primary research articles and the fact that, again, the fact that we no longer are looking at real science anymore. But if you go back to the primary research articles on research that was done on kidney disease and protein in food, it was done on rats. And rats have a very different metabolism closer to humans than either dogs or cats. So actually what's important, and, and the American Association of Feline Practitioners came out with all of this information. I was still in vet school and an internist taught me this. This isn't some holistic veterinary woo-ha thing. This was from the university veterinary teaching hospital is where I learned this. So if you give high quality protein to cats, proteins that their bodies can digest and can recognize, you're doing much better off. And it isn't until almost the kidneys are totally gone that you have to worry about the protein content. And at that point, the animal probably is hardly eating anything anyways, because they're on their way out. You know, so I always tell people get high quality protein. And the, the other thing is with kidney disease, I've spoken to people who have kidney are in kidney failure and ask them what it feels like, how it feels in their body. And they feel like they have the flu, like they'll be like, they're really weak. They'll have a headache. They'll be kind of nauseous. And that dehydration, think about if you go run in the sun and you don't have enough water and you get dehydrated, what do you get? You get this pounding headache. You, you don't really want to eat anything. You're almost nauseous to your stomach. And that's what these cats are experiencing. So it's really important to keep them hydrated because as the kidneys fail, the water, I, I describe it as a sieve and the holes in the filter get bigger and bigger. So more and more water pours out of the body the body can't conserve as much, whereas more and more toxins stay in the body. So they can't, you can't, they can't push the toxins out. So you get less fluid, more toxins, more dehydration, and then you get, they get really sick feeling. So if you give them, I, I tell people, I don't care what they eat. If they've got kidney failure, I just want them to eat you know, if you, if you want to need to try fish, if you need to try sushi, I've had people feed sushi to their cats to get them to eat um, any kind of cooked meat, raw meat, just to get some food into them, you know, and then sometimes you have to rotate it around because a nausea with a kidney disease is such an issue. But if they're on fluids, a lot of that is prevented for quite a while as well as giving B12 with the fluids. I find that helps keep the appetite up as well. Um, B12 and B complex are both appetite stimulants and it helps their energy levels. No. The two crazy cat ladies, actually, I started using their B12 supplement for my older cat and she seems to be doing better on it. I feel like she's got more energy with it. So mm, the two, yeah. Um, 
two crazy cat ladies. Um, if you don't know who they are, you can Google them. They're actually really active on social media. Um, yeah. They're a wonderful uh, couple. And they have uh, rebranded their product line called Feline Essentials. And they came up with a B12. It's in a liquid format, isn't it? Yeah. The, the yeah. B12. Yeah. And that... And they actually um, collaborated also with Jackson Galaxy um, with that product, oh, cool. which was actually really okay. cool. It was really, really cool. So it's it's um, yeah. um, something that I think, um, especially pet cat par- pet parents in the US, where you might have easier access to it over there. Um, and if you have cats or dogs with this kind of issue, this is something that you would want to consider. Because even for us in Singapore, uh, we actually do um, inject B12 normally mm-hmm. into the uh, subcut fluids to mm-hmm. help, um, you know, improve the cat's body condition because um, they sometimes they feel very pro- poorly. Um, but yeah. once they get their fluid therapy, they they perk up, you know, they yeah. eat better, they don't throw up so much, um, mm-hmm. much much healthier, and they actually live longer. You know, uh, versus oh, yeah. if you don't give the sub Q fil- uh, fluids, that's that's how I feel with with kidney problems for both cats and dogs. That's something. That, There's also you know, a I great. Oh recommend. yeah, if you don't if you don't give the sub Q fluids, it's much shortened. I mean, we're talking years. I've had some cats. Now, if you add acupuncture into this, and the Chinese Chinese herbal medicine has some amazing. They just excel at kidney formulas. So they, if you can get the herbs into them and pill them. Um, they excel at kidney formulas. I mean, there's formulas that can actually prevent kidney disease. Um, six, Romania six is one that's just like a long life formula, but there's so many that can help with kidney disease. And I'll take, I'll often take the B12 and I'll inject into the kidney points when I'm doing the acupuncture as well, which really helps as well. But they've, I've, I've had cats live four or five years from diagnosis, you know, easily, if they're doing regular fluids at home and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually found, like, um, sometimes with a lot of cat parents, when they tell me, oh, their cat has just been diagnosed or their dog has just been diagnosed with um, kidney disease and they get very, um, you know, very upset about it. And for some cases, not all, uh, but especially if it's the beginning, the early stages of kidney disease, um, if you can um, improve the diet, yes. sometimes you'll find that the readings will naturally come down. And most times when I've asked um, dog parents or cat parents, oh, what is the diet that you're feeding? Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, usually there is some mix of dry food in the diet. Maybe not exclusively, yeah. but there's a combination. And uh, usually we sort of try to advise them like, okay, um, have you watched um, the documentary called Pet Food? P-E-T-F-O-O-L-E-D. <laughs> All right. Um, by Cole Harrington. I love the guy. It's, it's yeah, a documentary it's that's a been out document. for a couple of years. It's been out for a couple of years now. But if you haven't watched it, um, go and I think... It's free on Netflix in the US still. I'm not sure, um, but I on Vimeo so. you can rent. You can you can rent it, uh, or maybe um, Apple or Amazon. You you might have to Google for it. But Pet Food, one word, um, is a very good documentary that talks about the the commercial side of pet food and um, what it does 
to the animals, you know, without getting too political here. Um, But it's uh, a real eye opener. And a lot of my uh, potential adopters, um, when I tell them I'm a fresh food feeder, and they're a bit you know, iffy about, you know, feeding fresh or raw. When they watch that documentary, um, almost all of them, after they watched it, they are more open to the idea of feeding mm-hmm. fresh afterwards. It's more like a light bulb moment came on, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, it's like telling people, if I was to give you a box of Kellogg's conflicts to eat 24-7 for the rest of your life, and it's fortified with, you know, vitamins and minerals, as the box says so, you know, um, is that healthy, really, for you? You know, it yeah. says it's complete, but does that actually healthy for you as a human being? And the thing is, a lot of from the holistic point of view, especially TCM, they'll tell you that it's a dead food because there's no life force in it. Uh, there's no so enzymes. There's no, yeah. yeah. That's my favorite analogy to use is like the box of Cheerios because that's essentially <laughs> what it is. It's got your recommended yeah. daily allowance, but, you know, eat that three days in a row for a month and, that, you know, come back and tell me how you feel. Yeah. yeah. And but, with minimal yeah. water, mind you, you know. Yeah, minimal uh, that, water. Yeah. I mean, just, just, just imagine how you feel just eating that day in, day out. And when it comes to our dogs and cats, they really suffer. So when I found with early stages for dogs and cats, when we actually just improve their diet and give them more moisture in their diet, be it uh, meat, fish uh bone broth is one of my favorites i love bone um, broth for kidneys yeah or fish broth you know um yeah. or with some people who don't even know what is bone broth i'll just tell them, like you know you just dunk a whole chicken in with you know and and boil it like making chicken soup you know um without the onions but you know it's you, your, you it's give that... grandma's old-fashioned chicken soup yeah but, you know they <laughs> yeah, have exactly. it in chinese medicine too they sell these little jars of bone yeah chicken, chicken essences bone broth. <laughs> right chicken yeah. essence yeah it's chicken bone yes. broth it's the, yes. the essence is the bone marrow from the kidneys that's that's exactly what it correct. is correct correct <laughs> and and i i found yeah. just just for these early early signs of kidney failure or kidney disease once you improve that diet um you'll be surprised you might be surprised to see that the readings actually yeah. start to improve. And um, yes, you might have to give um, uh, fluid therapy as well, you know, to, to help and all that. But long term, I found with a lot of um, cases like I've had a, a dog that was um, only given less than a month to live and his kidney readings was off the charts and he was a stray on a rescue and he had all sorts of skin problems as well. And what I did was I did a Hail Mary on him. So I just gave him uh, raw food. I gave him um, goat's milk. I gave him golden paste, turmeric golden paste, mm-hmm. um, a lot of herbal. And you talked about Remania 6. So yes. I actually did uh, give Remania. I think um, sometimes they have it in Remania 6 and Remania 8. Um, there's Remania 6, A, 14. There's a lot of Remanias, but Remania is a, it's an, it's a root. And that was the other thing I was going to talk about for kidneys is the is root vegetables, but it's this root that's black and they'll cook it to where it's almost black and gooey, but it is so good for a kidney tonic for the, it tonifies the kidneys and the essence. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I found like 
even with um this case where basically the vet and said he won't have more than a month he wouldn't see christmas um he actually lived for 15 months and 13 days wow wow from the date that they handed him over because you know they were going to euthanize him and uh, me and two other volunteers when we went to visit him at the at the hospital he had that look you know animals when they're not ready to die they have that look of i'm not ready to go yet Oh, I yeah. dare you, I dare you to try and take that away from me. Um, he had yeah. a very defined look, even though his body was all emaciated and, you know, he really stank mm -hmm. like hell. And he he was just, you know, like like an old man. But uh, when we brought him home, whacked him with all this, and I used Dr. Melissa Shelton's Animalio Essential Oils. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Somehow that combination of everything I did is basically using different mm -hmm. modalities, layering it on. Yeah, and he went through some sort of major detox because you know he 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 did a lot of crapping out of stuff, um, major big time, <laughs> um, bless his soul. But it it really helped clear his system, yeah. and from from the beginning where he could barely stand up and walk, um, I think by the end of one two months he could actually get out and actually start walking on his own. Wow. to go down because i live on a 20th floor and i live in a high-rise building in singapore so we have to take the lift to go down and you know walk the dog and do potty right um <laughs> but he couldn't for the first month or so so he did everything in his cage so i had to clean his cage like multiple multiple times and he could barely <laughs> even come out of his cage on his own oh, without assistance wow. but once once he started eating all that real food and all that essence stuff we were talking about um he could actually slowly move step mm -hmm. by step mm -hmm. and actually wanted to walk at, on grass again and Aww. you know he started to you know so he actually healed very well this old man his 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 fur Aww. came back and everything wow. and he yeah so he actually lived uh yeah 15 months and 13 days wow. with us he had two christmases with us when the vet Aww. said he wouldn't see christmas you know, so he, he spent he spent some major holidays Aww. with us. And uh, when it was his time to go um, with kidney disease, um, I think it, for a lot of people, we have to explain that there is no cure for a yeah. damaged kidney. Yeah. Um, you know, once they can, that's what I'm damaged. saying. Yeah, those those nephron yeah. units in there, they don't mm. repair itself. Whereas liver, liver can regenerate repair, but kidney. Yeah just can't yeah you know. so so you know whatever that's functioning um we just have to really do our best to try and support it and nourish it you know and i love the fact that you do acupuncture um because i have actually seen um a lot of animals respond very well to acupuncture i don't know what is it looks like like magic to the untrained eye you know <laughs> uh but um you know there, there's a saying that um you know all the points on the body uh it's almost you know when we talk about uh for humans we say that oh there's like seven main chakras you know mm -hmm. we talk about the fa famous seven chakras for the humans um same there's actually every single acupuncture point is actually like a little chakra wheel it's like an energy center in a sense well it is uh, you know, in a when, sense yeah. yeah 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 so you know even like poking the needle and turning it you know like yeah. where you put in the energy like uh how do you say anti-clockwise and clockwise yeah. um there's a reason for it as well yep. you know for tonifying uh, or removing excess yeah and i'm gonna yeah. teach i'm gonna teach um next 
it's next Friday. I'm going to teach a, how to do moxa in my online group, but I may start doing more mm. of that because that's something people can do at home. And I teach, I teach my clients how to use moxa where you burn an incense stick over the points. And you can, you can, there's so many ways of stimulating the points. You can do just light acupressure on the points. People can do this on their own animals as well. And you can stimulate the points that way. I mean, I think the needle is the strongest, most powerful way to do it, but there's a lot of other ways too. And then weaker. And one thing I wanted to mention, one thing I wanted to mention on those kidney values too, where like when you get them early and you get them on the food and those kidney values will come down. One thing that I'm seeing that vets somehow are missing or somehow forgetting about is when you're in a state of dehydration, just dehydration alone, no kidney failure whatsoever, those kidney values elevate. They don't go like sky high off the charts, but there will be an elevation and they call that pre-renal, the, the elevation of kidney levels is called azotemia. That's the clinical pathological name for it. If it's due to dehydration, it's pre-renal azotemia. So sometimes I always tell people, because I've seen animals given a diagnosis of chronic kidney disease and their kidney values are just mildly high. And I'm like, just hold off on that diagnosis. Let's rehydrate them, get them on a good diet, make sure their hydration is really good. And then let's go back and check it and see what they come back as. So that's something to always keep in mind, especially if there's just that mild elevation is to make sure that it's not due to just dehydration. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I, I found with, um, I don't know why, but some vets, um, when they say they give that diagnosis of kidney disease, but they don't explain to um, parents the, the, the readings as well, you know? No, they don't. Um, you, know, you know, there's- and I, it's, the it's, two it's, main... it's a bit disturbing, it's disturbing. Well, the two main laboratories now, IDEX and Antec, at least over here in the States, and a lot of the laboratory companies are using these shortcut tests to diagnose kidney disease, this SDMI reading and some other readings. So they automatically say, oh, if that's high, the dog has, dog or cat has kidney disease and there's nothing we can do and they're going to die. I mean, literally, I've seen this repeated times. Whereas if I'm monitoring a kidney case and I have a kidney case under my care, I look at the individual's BUN and creatinine. Now, another thing that also that will allow that BUN to elevate is an animal that's on raw food and on raw protein. Their BUN will go up because of that. Whereas I was taught that the creatinine clearance versus BUN is a much more specific value in terms of how well the kidneys are filtering and how well the kidneys are functioning. So I will look at that creatinine and I've literally developed almost a scale that I use myself just from experience, it, depending upon what lab you use, but I use Antec. And if I see that creatinine get above three, three to four and definitely above four, then I'll see their appetite change. I mean, I can literally follow it by the level of that blood value. So I'll keep them on fluids to try to keep it down below that. And I see them clinically do very well, but I can see, you know, based upon where that creatinine is, all seed changes. Whereas the BUN, you know, if the creatinine is somewhat low and the BUN is really high, I don't worry so much because I don't see the animal symptomatic as much. 
But so there's little tricks into reading it like that. But I see a lot of vets, they're just going for these new tests that are out that's one value that doesn't give you the nuance, you know, as to where they are in the whole thing. So, right, right. Just my take on so, it. <laughs> no, but, you know, I think um, for a lot of pet parents um, out there, um, especially with cats, um, kidney. Yeah, it's interesting how this conversation started. I, I honestly, yeah. normally, we don't even plan what the topics are when we meet up every every monthly circle. We just go with the flow of this. We just let the universe like guide us. Um, <laughs> and because we were talking about, you know, the new year and the water element and then the, the kidneys and bones, um, bones. That, that is something that that is something that a lot of people don't realize because um, how it can affect old old animals as well. You know, yeah. um, would you say, mm -hmm. go on. well, I was just saying the bones, the bones are intimately connected, even from not just from a Chinese medical viewpoint, but physiological, there's a um, urethropoietin is a hormone made by the kidneys that stimulates the bone marrow stem cells to create more red blood cells. And so that's why in advanced stages of kidney disease, you'll often see this chronic anemia set in because that's because the kidneys are no longer stimulating the bone marrow. But so we've even got the physiological like Western science connection between the bones and the kidneys. People forget about that as well too. But, yeah. yeah. So, um, so with fresh food diet um, and fluid support, um, vitamin B12, B complex. Um, is there anything Feeding else? kidney, feeding kidney, feeding actual, actual kidney, kidney, Get kidney. Mm. Um, there is a company standard process here in the States and I have used their Rena food. It's a, it's a product in their human line called Rena food. And it has concentrated cow kidney in it. Um, and I've actually, I've used that. I, a lot of cats, you, they're tablets, but you can break them up and crumble them. And a lot of cats will eat them because they taste and smell like kidney, like meat. But I've had cats that are just will not allow humans to give fluids to them. They're just too wild or they're feral or they just will not sit still. I will put them on that Rena food and I've seen that product alone lower the BUN and creatinine values. It's a really, really good product for kidneys. Um, but again, feeding whole kidney. We used Whole to eat, kidney. the English still do like kidney pie. Humans used to eat all those organs because they're loaded with vitamins and they're yeah. everything the kidney, all the nutrients the kidney needs to support itself is in a kidney. So you feed that. It's like feeding the organ. Yeah, the TCM or, or even, well, in Chinese culture, they always say um, when you have a certain um, issue with a p particular organ, mm -hmm. feed like feed with that. like. Yeah. yeah, to to help heal faster, mm -hmm. you know. So um, in Chinese culture, we actually do eat um, cooked um, organs like kidney, heart, liver, mm -hmm. you know. There, there are ways of mm -hmm. cooking it so it doesn't, you know, stink so much or whatever. But yeah. um, I've actually, I actually like it. I actually feel okay. physically when I feel a bit low, especially when I have my um, menstrual cycle, 
you know, uh-huh. and I'm feeling a bit, a bit low when I'm when I'm when when I'm having my 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 menstru my menstruous. I when I eat that, I actually feel <laughs> much better, especially the liver part. You know, somehow I just feel. Like, I think it's that B. It's the nutrients inside the organs that somehow sort yeah. of boost it. Yeah. Well, and liver is like a, just a blood sponge. I mean, mm. I hate to describe it like that, but it's just filled with blood. So it's giving you back all yeah. the iron and um, all you need for your blood supply. Yeah. One, yeah. it's interesting you mentioned um, standard process because um, I, well, in the U, I'm in Singapore. I can't, I can't really access yeah. that yeah, unless that I've got a, a vet there and, and whatnot. But um, another option that uh, we do here is um, using glandular support. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, the gland. Well, how would you explain it? It's it's basically it's the same. Like, it's what it's just what you yeah. said. Glandular support is exactly yeah. what yeah. I I think of it exactly what you said. If you have a deficient organ, feed that organ. That's exactly what it mm. is. And so with the gland, yeah. I mean, with the glands, we're talking about, you know, adrenal gland, thymus, um, mm. your, you know, all of your well, hormonal glands, but it's yeah. the same. It's exactly what you, how you described. I mean, there's different companies. Yeah. I don't know if you, there's different companies that make different glandular support um, as well, but. Yeah. Um, the ones that it's easier for me to order online because mm-hmm. I'm in Singapore, it's actually Dr. McCola. Um, that's formulated by Dr. Karen Becker. She she does oh, like okay. the pet food lines. Yeah. So she formulates all the the pet food supplements um, under the Dr. McCullough brand. Yeah. And um, there's actually glandular support, um, you know, male female kind of thing. And I actually give that as an additional supplement to my animals because I have found even when we feed raw food, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, as a rescuer, I have a certain budget because I don't print money, unfortunately. Um, so <laughs> I can't always feed organic, grass-fed, grass-finished. You know, in the ideal world, that would be lovely. Um, but I can't yeah. all the time. I don't um, because of budget. Um, so I feed whatever I can afford. Okay, and this is something that I emphasize with a lot of pet parents. Like, don't feel guilty if you can't afford to feed because um organic food don't yeah yeah you can you know, just just go to the supermarket and get something you know uh what you would eat so long as it's human grade um ideally frozen you know for like one two weeks uh before you feed um especially i think pork um just to kill whatever you know uh parasites that, that might be in there but um, for me in Singapore, because we are wee little tiny dot and everything's imported into the country. So everything, unfortunately, is imported frozen already. Uh... So for me, I don't have to worry about all this um, parasitic stuff. Whereas I know like in the Northern Hemisphere, like big countries like in Europe or in the US, where you have a huge variety of food sources from hunting, you know, um, I don't know, and, and different grades as well. So you do have to be more careful of where you get your food source um, um, in the US, where, where you find them. Well, but yeah, so I you... found because I, I'm on a budget, um, supplementing stuff like glandular support uh, would help because you're looking for to add some energetics into the food some life enzymes and also i mean if if you even if you can't uh, 
afford like the powdered glandulars amorous getting a lot of times the organ meats are cheap i don't know about mm. there with the importation but i you know a lot of times you can and well if you know butchers like here in the states if you know a butcher that's even better but i know somebody who a client she has Maine Coons and they all have heart disease and she found a restaurant supply where she can order by the case beef hearts so she'll she'll get a box of like 10 beef hearts frozen and you just take them and chop them all up she'll run them through like a food grinder on her mixer and then make these little frozen ice cubes for her cats of frozen beef beef heart and thaw them out one at a time but um Mm. that's one one way to do it and just have people i you know if you can't get organic the food in your grocery store is a hundred times better than what's in that bag of dry food you know yeah most definitely yeah yeah because i i work with a lot of uh low-income families as well so we do our best Mm -hmm. to uh support them and educate them so we work within their budget you know, mm-hmm. so we'll say like, okay, um, if you can't afford not not to feed at dry food because of your budget, let's just freshen up the bowl. You know, we talk a lot yes. about freshening up the bowl. Yes. Um, yes. So that's where um, a lot of times they don't understand what's bone broth. So I tell them chicken soup. Yeah. And and take your take your chicken your scraps. My dog, I'm an eighty five pound shepherd, but she gets everything that's we don't eat on our our plates gets scraped into her food bowl you know what i mean because we're eating good we're eating decent food and so you know anything that is you know even vegetables that have kind of gone bad or a little bit you could even run through a blender or food processor and use pour that on the food you know you can do a lot of different yeah yeah i found with um kidney dogs um Mm -hmm. or dogs in general feeding them um i blend like my vegetables raw. It's, it's kind of funny because I actually have the same thing with them. I have my raw blended like smoothies is raw yeah. vegetables. Yeah. Exactly the same. What I give my dog, I take it myself. So there's broccoli, <laughs> red cabbage, kale, you know, cucumber, some ginger, you know, I mean, whatever you can get from the supermarket, you just yeah. whiz it up. And yeah. um, like for me, I add coconut water inside to, to have that fluid blend, the blender moving. And coconut That's water is really true. nice because yeah. it's, it's, it's um, um, I actually call it the poor man's version of electrolytes. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, the yard and it's, it's, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot much yummier and more delicious, yeah. to be honest, if you get yeah. the ones that don't have the added preservative stuff. But yeah. uh, pure coconut water is really good uh, when, like in Singapore, we sweat a lot. And if yeah. you do a lot of exercise, you know, you get muscle cramps and stuff. And years ago, before I became a lot more healthier, I was extremely, my, my whole lifestyle was extremely processed, okay? So I would drink um, Coca-Cola, I would drink 100 plus, you know, and I thought I was being healthy by drinking 100 plus, you know? Um, <laughs> Because I told myself, oh no, it's a sports isotonic, it's fine. Um, Little did I know that why, and I'll be looking at my skin and I'll be so itchy and I had an eczema and I'll be flaring up. And I, it did, it did, it took me a long time to figure out it was the sugar inside um, all these soft drinks that was causing a lot of problems and inflammation in my body. And um, so I switched to coconut water and that's when I realized like, my dog actually likes it, 
you know, like she sees me drink it and then she will just like, once she wants to drink from my cup as she well, you know? Awesome. Yeah. So, um, I've actually, um, so I do raw veg blends and mm -hmm. I would actually give like one or two tablespoons to my dog. You don't have to overdo it. Um, mm -hmm. but I found with kidney problems with dogs, especially they seem, they, they seem to, like the vegetable blend seems to really help um, with their kidney reading somehow. Huh. It's like, like awesome. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like, I, I don't well, know. It has um, all the antioxidants and you're getting, when you mm. blend it up like that too, it makes it more bioavailable than feeding the whole vegetable because yeah. dogs can't bring, break down the cellulose in the vegetable wall. Yeah. So by making it into yeah. a smoothie, it makes it easier to digest and usable for them. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Like I know some parents, instead of raw, they might steam the vegetables and give mm -hmm. it gently steamed. Um, that's another option, you mm -hmm. know, uh, for, for dogs. So, I mean, it's dogs. I love dogs cause they're like, I call them my garbage compactors. They can, they, they eat whatever my cats refuse to eat. <laughs> so there's no wasting. Well, you know, that's how they say dogs became living so close domesticated and started living so close mm. to humans is because they came up to our yeah. trash piles and our bone piles and they're like, mm. Oh wow. We'll eat your scraps, you know, and they're still mm. like that. So, yeah. 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 They're, they're, they're very good, uh, efficient, uh, scavengers in that sense, you know, yes, they um, are. um, what, you know, I actually give for my cats, um, even my dog, I actually give them herbs, like dried herbs from my uh -huh. kitchen counter you know, like uh -huh. the, the, the little pantry. So I would actually give them sprinkles of sometimes like rosemary, uh, thyme, um, catnip. I think uh -huh. that's the popular one with, with a lot of people, yeah. but I've actually, um, and they actually do like it. So it's the cat's version of a herbal fibery kind of, um, mm -hmm. um, into their diet. Cause they don't actually need that much vegetable matter compared to dogs. What um, I do for my cats, and sometimes it can be messy, but I find that I always have like wheatgrass growing for, for them. Mm. And my cats will, their whole routine, they want to wake up in the morning and I have an out screened in porch or it'd be like a balcony and they go out there. And the first thing they do is they run straight for that grass and they sit there and mm. smell it and chew it, run it through their teeth. Um, they'll eat some of it, but when they're getting it on it, like people say, oh, but then they throw it up. But when they're getting it on a daily basis, they stop throwing it up and they're able, because cats, I almost see cats as, you know how like owls and certain raptors, owl pellets, especially, they'll eat the whole mouse but then they'll take that, the skin and all the stuff that they can't digest and they form into these pellets and regurgitate the pellet out. And cats are almost like that. They're such strict carnivores and they're used to eating mice like owls are that they, they need some roughage to clean out their intestines. So when they're on like just a pureed canned food or a processed food, or they don't get the bone and the hair and the roughage in their diet, they'll, they need those, the grass and the plant material, I think mm. to help them out. But I also think that cats in the wild munch on grass and plants, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I usually like when I go to the supermarket, I might get like a, a small pot of 
organic pesticide-free herbs in a pot. Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I wish I could say that I use it for my cooking, but most of the time I actually buy it for my cats because they really, really enjoy it. And some might, some might not really go for it, but mm -hmm. those who really do, they'll start nibbling yeah. and, you know, God forbid they start playing with it as well, you know. Um, but it's, it's yeah. uh, another form of enrichment uh, besides mm -hmm. the nutritional aspect to it. You know, so and planting your own re yeah, planting your own reed grass, mm. you can get I have like a long planter and I'll just I'll reuse that soil several times. And you can buy the grass seeds online, you know, to buy those mm. little plant grass things are so expensive. I buy like a huge mm. bag of giant grass seeds and I'll just take a handful out and plant them on top and they sprout within days. And, and it's not just don't. my cats that like it. My dog, dog likes to mm -hmm. nibble on the grass, especially when it's the, the first shoots that come out. Yes. You know, they might it becomes like a salad bar for both my cats. Suddenly you see them all <laughs> nibbling around. And even the cats and dogs, if they don't like each other, they'll still they'll they'll tolerate and they'll start like it's like savannah <laughs> or something. You know, they'll start like nibbling on the grass. It's 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 quite funny. And it's it's funny you mentioned that because tonight I just um did uh gardening session with my neighbor because um he's teaching me how to um grow my own food because of the pandemic right so it's one of my my new year goals is oh, to cool. learn how to grow my own vegetables even though i live in an urban high-rise uh, apartment this is one of the things that i want to learn how to do um, do you have a balcony or anything or no unfortunately i don't i i don't have I don't have a balcony, but we have like a common corridor area and some space um, in the okay. public space in the building where, uh -huh. you know, um, I can grow. So there's like, you know, you, you can sort of park your pots here and there where there's yeah. sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so tonight I actually um, did, um, I'm growing like microgreens for oh, right. actually the, the easy. but it's not so much for me yeah but it's actually for my cats and my dog <laughs> and well for me too but it was like i was doing i was doing it for them you know because they i know how much they love all these fresh shoots so i um it's a, a lot cheaper those yeah the nutrients packed with nutrients years ago before yeah. the microgreens became a big thing one of my Taoist teachers she said if you want to get one of the most power-packed like live foods ever is to eat this the sprouts the little microgreens mm. yeah you know? yeah sprouts so i mean yeah. like if you're on a very tight budget and you can't afford um say mm -hmm. a lot of vegetables for your dogs for instance like you can't buy kale i mean in singapore kale is actually expensive because it's wow. considered um um, you know, exotic for us That's over gourmet. here. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's gourmet kind of thing. Um, but so, um, oh. if you can grow your own sprouts or microgreens, which is really yeah. cheap and easy to do, um, it's actually packed with a lot of enzymes and nutrients. Oh, yeah. And that alone, if you're on a really strict budget and you can't afford a lot of a variety in, you know, like providing for your animals, this is the best way, both for cats and dogs and humans Definitely. too. And, and humans, humans as well. And humans. Yeah. 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 So I, so hopefully in seven days, cause I don't have green thumbs, but hopefully in seven days, um, some, 
I'm going to have like, you know, seven different, I'm going to have a nice salad mix um, coming oh, up. But, take yeah. a picture. <laughs> Put a picture on Instagram. I want to see it. I have my whole herb corner. I've got like two tomato plants going right now. I've got some turmeric. I've got some ginger plants, mostly herbs. And then I've got some mm. really nice chives. Um, but then I'm getting my, I'm, in, I'm paying the farmer on a farm to grow my vegetables from a com, community supported agriculture. So I give them like $250 at the beginning of the growing season. And then every week I get a box of vegetables. So a lot of greens and that's nice. That's a nice radish. option. Yeah. yeah. If you have that, yeah. that's a good option. I was going to ask you because I see you've got so many nice pots in, in your veranda yeah. uh, porch area. Um, you know, uh, one thing, zoo pharmacognoxy, you yeah. know, uh, self-selection, yes. you know, yes. you know, like, like a lot of dogs and cat owners will say like, oh, why does my dog or my cat like choose eating grass, for instance, as we were talking about, you know, I've noticed if um, you have like, edible animal safe pesticide free um yeah. potted plants in your area or in your garden safety um if you allow the dogs or the cats they might actually nibble on certain herbs certain plants mm -hmm. um not that i'm an expert on this but this is something that caroline ingraham from the uk talks about is yep. self-selection um it helps they the their body knows what they they need it's you know, actually, it's a, I, I took her class. I'm taking her certification course, actually. That's one of the big things I'm nice. doing. Nice. But um, I think that's very exciting. So, yeah, I took her class and I've used, I've had some amazing experiences using it with animals, but it's actually a neurophysiological reflex through the, through the nose and into the brain that then turns on a whole physiological process in the animal and that's why essential oils work just smelling the mm. essential oil yeah because it's such a powerful yeah. um reflex that happens on a healing and both you know and she does it for people too you can do it for people and dogs and cats and horses so yeah um, yeah so i found that yeah th these are actually nice different modalities to help support your animal um whether or not they're sick or healthy, I've always find that um, there's, it's always it's a nice way of, of helping them. I use um, Dr. Melissa Shelton's Animalio oils because mm -hmm. that's the only one that I buy and, and use from from um, the essential oil market because she's just she has a certain standard that I trust. So mm -hmm. I know it's animal safe and toxin free. Um, but I've actually even noticed um, some of my cats will be drawn to certain diffusers or different smells, you know, so sometimes I might mm -hmm. diffuse a certain blend in one and then, uh, you know, in another room and I notice that, oh, okay, uh, like, okay, this particular cat, he really likes this smell, right? And you'll mm -hmm. be like in the room. Uh, the most obvious one is when they actually park themselves next to the diffuser, um, yeah. literally, yeah. Uh, just, and you know that, oh, okay, it's doing something even if they don't like to have uh, to be topically applied on them, because some cats just, you know, they, 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 you know, they and can you be know, a bit difficult. I don't recommend, I don't, unless an animal is showing me that they want it topically applied, I really don't recommend topically applying them. 
I, because I've walked into people's houses that use a lot of oils and just think about it. If you couldn't communicate with somebody and they came up and slathered you with all these oils that were potentially so strong that they could burn your nose and there was, they were on your skin. There was no way to get away from them. Mm. So I'm very, um, I'm really particular about that. Yeah, that's why the the only brand I would use is Dr. Shelton's Animalio oil. And even putting it um, on because they're diluted down. Yeah, and and she uses blends, but even putting it on topically, I'm so careful now. If I if I'm doing, but I use I I allow I use self selection by the animal, and if an animal self selects Mm -hmm. and she and I and and I have it on my finger, and they move a body part up against me i mean i've had i when i was working with carolyn i took pure peppermint oil this was an undiluted peppermint oil which they say is toxic mm-hmm. and i had my hands a pool of it in the palm of my hand and this horse came up to me who had had major he was a polo pony and the guy who broke them they used knots in the bridles and he had all this scar tissue on his face over his nerves all on his face he would not allow a bridle or a halter to be put on his head he had so much pain and scar tissue there and i held out my hand with coke peppermint oil and this horse walked up to me and ended up he smelled it at first then he took his he took his tongue and licked it and we were people were like aghast and Carolyn was like let him do it let him do it she said pour more oil into her hands by the time I was done that horse had taken his head and just rubbed the side of his Mm. head all over on my hands to get that peppermint oil on him now if an animal's like doing that or they're they're showing me they're coming up and rubbing into me I'll put it on topically but I let them really try to guide those sessions um because yeah. he obviously peppermint yeah, I, oil I, is yeah good for yeah. nerves because i interviewed mm. i interviewed um caroline ingraham the last time and she mm-hmm. was sharing stories as well about um how you know her, her journey into self-selection and her experiences with different animals yeah. you know especially in africa and all that it was, yeah. it was really interesting and she even said sometimes um she had this case where there was a dog that didn't even want to look at it you know but she, she actually noticed that it was the smell alone that was enough. She yeah. said, usually, like, sometimes we see the dog like that or, you know, turn yeah. his head or even a cat and we think, oh, they don't like it. But actually, um, it's another way of them saying, like, it's enough. I've inhaled They're taking enough. that dose. Yeah. They're taking that single Through dose. The, and then, yeah. And then sometimes they'll come it, back to it. You know, yeah. they'll take like yeah. one dose and then they'll turn away. And then like five, 10 minutes later, they'll come back and get another they'll dose. They'll come back it. again and then yeah. they'll turn. Yeah. So it's, again, yeah. their way of doing self-selection. Um, mm-hmm. It was a really fascinating, I really love Caroline Ingraham. She's, she's um, uh, she is near and dear to my she's, heart, Amaris. She's mean, one of my superheroes. Of, she's one of my superheroes. She's out of amazing. anybody she's I've worked heart. with in the in the mm. animal world she's probably the most egoless person i've ever worked with yeah I, I, yeah I so mean, if you it is all about that her, animal yeah. yeah yeah if you've never heard of her you just have to google her um she, she actually has this book that she came up with it's um animal self-medication it's a huge book from the uk um uh, but she's now offering like online courses uh, so if you yeah. even in the us or even in singapore you can actually well, pay I- for like 
courses to, yeah, do to it. get the courses. Yeah. I um actually yeah. had a case last year. It was actually Jackie who's in the reverence group. Her, she had a dog that had anal sac adenocarcinoma cancer of the anal sacs and they went in and took it out and they were like well you have to do chemo radiation all this stuff and he was just the type of dog who's just this sensitive sensitive soul and she's like Josie I can't put him through that you know if it's not mm -hmm. there's not a hope for a cure I'm not going to put him through it and it was so funny Amaris he was he would not that dog would not allow me to put an acupuncture needle in him he was so adamant he was not going to have any acupuncture needles and i'm like well what can we do now i had him on chinese herbs but i'm like what can i do to treat him and i i i brought in my oil kit and i used carolyn ingraham's process with it and i just went through each individual individual oils no combinations and used each one and i would sit there for an hour and a half once a week and he would self-select certain oils mm -hmm. and then I would take him outside and he would let me do moxa on him a year wow. after his diagnosis she went back in to the oncologist and the oncologist they she had to drop the dog off because of covid but the oncologist came out and she's like she, she had to double check with her that it was the same dog and that it was the right x-rays that were shown over and ultrasound report before <laughs> because it was yeah, no good there and all i had wow. done i was doing moxa and just the just the essential oils but using carolyn's method but that was the mm, only yep. thing that that dog would accept and i'm like well this is probably what's going to help him then yeah uh yeah i i need to to also emphasize for a lot of listeners when we talk about essential oils you have to get really the the good quality great ones not yes. the ones that you get from the um like 7-eleven kind of places no, 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 um no. so you have to know your sources like they have to be really good quality so i would say caroline ingraham's uh range of oils whatever she recommends is good um you can I buy oils yeah you can buy oils from from her yeah yeah so i mean like just make sure that whoever you choose you trust the source you know you don't have to go with ours because like i said i only know what i know but you yeah. might know a, a a better source but it's really the the quality um of oils that you use um someone just asked is now brand good uh i can't now it's from iherb um, okay. Um, okay. This is a closed circle. Um, I would say, um, based on my, exp I personally wouldn't use it for animals. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if yeah. you're starting out, if you're starting out and you're doing your animals and it's something you're just getting into as an animal owner, I would literally either go with animal EO, Melissa Shelton's or with Carolyn mm. Ingraham's. Yeah. Um, yeah Personally, um, you'll be surprised I, I start i i have like old doTERRA when doTERRA started and i will use those on me but there's a couple that i think now they've changed they've even changed a lot but i think for the animals i would stick with yeah you know the the politics in um it's, essential oil industry is as is as bad as in the commercial food for the pet food industry and big <laughs> pharma uh there's a lot a lot of corruption going on nowadays totally. you know so what started out uh with a lot of brands with 
the original owners and good intentions and good standards, uh, when they get too big after a while, uh, unfortunately, um, there's a dilution in, in quality and there's a corruption in management. Um, so it is a bit hard. But um, yeah, with, I mean, like, honestly, for me personally, I would really only recommend Caroline Ingramum's um, range or Dr. Melissa Shelton. Um, oh, uh, Caroline, okay, let me just type it out. Caroline Ingraham. So if you Google zoo pharmacognosis. Yeah, if, I think if you think just Google S. her name too. Um, Google yeah. her name. Yeah, she's based in the UK. She's based, she's based, in, uh, the she's UK. based in the UK. She has her whole, whole line of oils, individual oils. And some yeah. of her oils, I couldn't even find at other companies. Yeah. She's got a really yeah. wild carrot seed oil. She's got this violet mm. oil. Um, and they're all the oils yeah. from her book as well. And yeah. if you get the book, yeah. you can go through step by step. Yeah. The, the, the book is, 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 is um, a bit hefty for the budget, I think. But um, if you are in, really interested in using this line of uh, modality, um, it's actually worth it in the long term for both humans and, and animals. That's my personal yeah. uh, feeling. Um, I would also mention that, yes, you're paying a bit more. Uh, it's like budget-wise, it's more expensive. But the amount you use is actually not going to be that much. You, you'd be very surprised that a, a little goes a long way. Um, and I've honestly, um, using good essential oils for, for animals, like what Dr. Josie here was saying, you know, either self-selection or diffusion or something. Um, any animal and human, we actually will benefit either from both methods, diffusion, inhalation, um, topical, if they let you, you know, um, we have seen improvements in the animal on across all different si types of issues. Um, so yeah, uh, my rescue, we actually use a lot of um, these things because it's like, I don't have a lot of, I don't, unlike the US where Dr. Josie is, uh, you guys have a lot of, compared to Singapore, a lot more yeah. options for holistic vets. I know it sounds terrible to say this because I know my friends in the US, they said, oh, we can't find a holistic vet where I live. Yeah. But I was going to say, I know, I know, <laughs> but you see, I US is so big. List, but my waiting <laughs> list, I've got people calling me and my waiting list is two months out if I end up being able to work them in, you know. Mm, but one yeah, thing to and... do with essential oils is to take, especially like if you have a cat, in, with rescue or something, if you have an animal in like one area, like in a room or in a cage or something, you can take little pieces of muslin or cotton and just put a couple drops of the oil on and put different oils in their area and watch to see which ones they go to. But Carolyn will use that when she's working with zoo animals and the big cats or even like yeah. feral cats. You, know, you just yeah. put it out in yeah. the environment so they can come and walk up to it and walk away from it. Kind of like the diffuser. Yeah. yeah. So these, these are options that I find um, for animals when they're not well. Um, it's wonderful. Actually, another thing that I do for my cats, um, I actually put out, well, you can put trays or towels because I live in a flat, um, but I actually scatter like different types of herbs. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. it's catnip, sometimes valerian, um, you know, animal safe. 
you know, organic herbs, pesticide yeah. free. But I, I will put them in, you know, like in an area and then I'll see which cat goes to which uh, herb. And sometimes they would just like to roll well, and, 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 or lick it or eat it. Um, but it, um, I think for me as a layperson, I look at it as, as an enrichment process. Um, but it also gives them some, well, the herbs obviously will have some nutritional uh, benefits as well. Right, Dr. Josie? Uh -huh. And medicine, medicinal, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 So um, again, th this is another form of herbal self-selection besides essential oils is yes. using these dried herbs. It's like, so it's like, a, yeah, so you just put them in like, you know, either on a towel if you don't want to get too messy or on a tray, you know, yeah. you just put a little bit and then you see what the cat wants to do. And it's interesting, some cats will gravitate towards a certain herb uh, yeah. one day and then maybe a different herb another day. Um, so, yeah, and they always, I don't know, they seem more relaxed, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's like a it's like a, a day spa for them where they just chill out, especially because yeah. I live in a flat. Yeah, but... Well, um, and using some of the any... adaptive, adaptogenic herbs like the tulsi and the nettles and even like ashwagandha or any kind of powdered herbs you could put out there. You have to be careful. There's certain herbs that cats don't do well with. So you can find a list of them online like pennyroyal and um, you have to be careful with like um, birch and willow and things like that. But you can yeah. look online for yeah. those. Wow. Dr. Josie, um, I didn't think we would, but we actually been chatting for almost an hour and a half. Wow. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> I didn't know what the time was. I figured. Yeah. It goes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're almost out of time, but yeah. um, I want to thank um, Gasso, Madam Gasso, and Please? Nancy and Delphina Nancy. For, for joining us um, today. And, um, you know, and joining us with this really nice circle. We meet once a month. Um, so who we who who joins us in this circle it, it varies sometimes. Today we're just really blessed with Dr. Josie. You'll see her more more often as well. Um, she actually has her own online community called Reverence. Hold on, let me just write it out. Reverence. It's you. It's an online community where she basically talks about um, TCM the five elements, how, you know, with, with animals and humans, it's a bit more on the woo-woo side, everybody, if you're into the woo-woo side. It's, more, um, it's about, yeah, going back to the rhythms of the earth. I'm going to be opening up Mother right Earth. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Right now I took people through a whole journey through the five elements and the five seasons, but I'm going to be mm -hmm. opening it up this spring to a broader readership and probably be including some of my coursework just on care of animals yeah. in there as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, so but we're going to so, do. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, so she'll be, you know, speaking to us more often. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll share whatever uh, episodes we do on on uh, Mind Valley as well. So I just want to thank everyone for your time. Dr. Josie, as always, I thank love talking you. to you. <laughs> I, like I said, I never know where the conversation ends up no. being, but, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, you're, you're such a lovely soul. Um, you're one of the oh, like, thank you. I really look up to you as one of my teachers. So I really want to thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today. Oh, you're welcome, Amaris. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you all for joining us. Okay. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Thank, thank you. Care. Okay, bye. 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 Wow. 
I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.